Welcome everyone, I'm Daniel Joseph and you're on the Corner Fringe. Thank you for joining me today. We're currently looking at the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. We are in week five. And for those of you who have been following us, you know early on that in this series, I made a pretty radical proposal suggesting that this coronavirus that has virtually uh, engulfed the world is in fact the rider on the white horse. This would mean that the seals in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, have officially been opened. And I understand, I mean, it is a radical notion. You think about these things have been prophesying for, you know, the book of Revelation for almost 2,000 years. And now we're saying today, oh, just poof one day that, you know what? Yep, now now this has come alive and now we're actually living this. It, that is a huge pill to swallow. And so I, I, I recognize the gravity of the statement. But when you look at the white horse, when you look that this, this, this spirit of Antichrist was to go out conquering and to conquer, and what he has is a crown... This is what gives him his authority and his power to go out and do what he's doing. And then, in fact, the virus that has literally engulfed this entire globe is called crown. You, you, you can't see that. You can't just write that off as, as some coincidence. This is, uh, this is significant. But one of the other things that I mentioned, and this is just as important is that if, in fact, we're interpreting this correctly, that this white horse, this rider on the white horse, is, in fact, the spirit of Antichrist. It's going forth, and it is conquering and to conquer, and we are experiencing this uh, by seeing the, the forced closures of businesses, churches being shut down. We have uh, people being enslaved into their homes, being forced to social distance, being forced to wear masks. If... if all of this is in fact represented in this rider on the white horse then what we should see is the red horse at some point coming next these riders ride in tandem so it's just like i said it's wait and see you, you sit back just wait if this is a correct interpretation then that red horse should be coming well let's read again what this red horse is, uh, looks like Another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So if in fact the interpretation of this white horse is in fact understood or experienced through this pandemic, this coronavirus and all the insanity that comes along with that, then next, we should actually see the rider on the red horse come out and peace should be taken from the earth. Now, I ask you, were, have you been watching the news lately? Because last week, I would certainly classify what this nation has experienced as taking peace from the earth. Riots have erupted all over this country. Uh, because of what happened to George Floyd right here in Minneapolis.
In fact, it's not even contained to this country. It's spread throughout the world. Look at this headline. It says this, protesters in London, Berlin, Toronto take to the streets in support of George Floyd demonstrations. Minneapolis was on fire. Places all over the all over the world are being are being lit on fire. There is civil unrest. There is great violence. There's shootings. There's looting. Now, is this a coincidence? Is this a coincidence at all? Look at this headline: Gripped by disease, unemployment, and outrage at police, America plunges into crisis. In other words, as we look at this Revelation 6-4, this red horse, and the fact that this red horse comes and takes peace from the earth, either this was just an incredible coincidence, or we are literally living in Bible prophecy. We are living at the end of the age. And again, how will we know? I mean, even still, as you have these two riders come out and we're, I mean, I, I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone here. As you, you, we just, you get into the habit of studying the word your whole life and you're looking at the book of Revelation and it's always just something so far in the distance and all these generations pass through and you know what? A lot of revelation didn't happen. And so you, you get into that mode, then all of a sudden it becomes front page news and yes, it becomes surreal. It, it, it becomes a, a hard pill uh, to swallow. But if, in fact, the rider on the white horse, the spirit of Antichrist, has gone out and is implementing his authority, and if, in fact, this red horse has been released and has begun to ride, and we already see peace is starting to be taken from the earth, if, in fact, we're interpreting the signs correctly, we'll just sit back and wait. Because the next thing that should happen is the rider on the black horse should come forth and there should be an economic collapse. And then we know the pale horse will come and there should be famines all over the place. So just sit tight and wait and see if this stuff's coming out, if this stuff is going to happen. And then the more we look at this, I'm telling you guys, I... I I don't know how else to put greater emphasis on the reality. We are living at the end of the age. Yeshua is coming very, very soon. And that has to be the focus for us. It's not just about death and destruction that is happening in the world. That is supposed to impact you. That should be impacting you to bring you back into right relationship with Yeshua, knowing the King is coming soon. His word is true. Everything that he spoke to us, that he warned us about. It's it's happening right now. I mean, this is where we need to be. We need to get back on our knees. We need to get into praying. Fasting needs to be commonplace in our weekly lives. It needs to be common. That being said, I want to continue to peel back some more layers and just keep connecting some dots. There's a lot there's a lot to talk about there's, in regard to everything that is happening and understanding it on, on multiple different levels. Uh, there's a lot of dots to connect. And so we're going to just connect a, a few more dots today. And I want to really begin today by taking you or introducing you to a man by the name of Alger Hiss. 
Now, Hiss is an interesting character. He, he is a guy that served uh, for the United States government in, as part of the State Department. He was an official at the UN, holding both of those offices simultaneously. Uh, but not just that. This is where things get really interesting. He wasn't just an official at the UN. He was the chief architect of the UN. When you think of the UN and its charter, its focus, its goals, how it's written... He's one of the chief architects. It gets even more interesting when you recognize that, oh, Alger Hiss is good friends with Dr. Brock Chisholm. Alger Hiss actually championed uh, him to, and encouraged him to come and take his helm as the head of the World Health Organization. And so when you look at Alger Hiss, and just that information that I'm giving you, you know things are not good. If this guy is one of the principal architects of the UN, and I know he's close friends with Dr. Brock Chisholm, that, that scares me. Well, when I tell you what I need to tell you next, then you will be terrified. Brock, or, uh, Elgar Hiss was a communist. He was outed. As a known communist, he spent time in prison because of it. And so here you have Brock Chisholm, the, the first director general of the World Health Organization. You have Alger Hiss, the, 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 one of the, the principal architects of the UN, being known and outed as a total staunch communist. What does this tell you about the UN? What does it tell you about the World Health Organization? This, this whole thing. It, it tells you this is a communistic agenda to bring in a new order a one world government that's what this is now it's interesting to me and this is something I, I, I've always loved to point out but the United Nations uh, really began in October 24th 1945 this is its formal inception uh, its birth if you will uh, into the world. The date is significant, not necessarily on a Gregorian calendar, but it absolutely is significant on a Jewish calendar because this very date is the 17th of Cheshvan. Now, what is significant about the 17th of Cheshvan? That is the very date that the Lord began to rain judgment upon the earth in the days of Noah where there was an absolute total destruction of the world. And the only ones that survived were just a few, and they were protected as they were taken into the ark. Eight souls, as we know. Now, this is extremely prophetic. And again, you'll never convince me that, oh, it's just a coincidence that the UN was founded, officially, birthed into the world on the very date that God begins to rain judgment down upon the world to absolutely obliterate it and destroy it. Let me take it a step further. Let me put this together. In Joel chapter 3, now this is a prophecy of the end of the age. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. And so the prophet said, hey, at the end of the age, I'm going to bring my, my Jewish people home. Oh, isn't that interesting? 
What also happened in the 1940s, not just the uh, birth of the UN, oh, the birth of Israel. Israel formally becomes a nation, 1948, May 14th, right? It becomes, a, so here you have this prophecy of the Jewish people coming back. And look at the very next thing that is said here. I will also gather all nations. Now, uh, you can't make this up. So the prophets foretold that, hey, when I bring my Jewish people back, I will also be gathering the nations together. They'll be gathered together. In other words, they're going to be unified. They're going to act as one. The, the very purpose of the United Nations is in its name. It's to unite the nations for all of them to become one. And it's interesting that, you know, we could talk about the Tower of Babel where God would come down. What, what brought God down in Genesis 11 was the fact that they all came together and unified as one. And so significant, the fact that we have a UN today is absolutely biblical, biblically significant. Now, he goes on, I will gather all the nations, I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. Now, you know, one of the top directives of the United Nations, it's interesting, is to divide Israel, right? You can actually look at uh, the Resolution 181, and I didn't put it up here, but you can go online, look at it for yourself, uh, the UN Resolution 181. Fascinating how right off the bat, just within years of this inception of the UN, they're going forth to divide Jerusalem. They're going forth literally to fulfill this prophecy. Now, again, you can't make it up, right? And so there's a lot of things about the UN that should be very alarming and should concern you uh, in regard to its purpose. Uh, so when I say nefarious, scheming, and dangerous, communistic, a spirit of antichrist, that's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, look at this. Let me read this headline. Report. Emergency UN World Health Organization funding for Palestinians ends up with terrorist group. In other words, a terrorist group that goes after the Jews. That is literally coming up against Israel. And so one thing you'll notice is, and I could show you many other headlines. I'm not going to. The UN is no friend of Israel. Now, this is biblically prophetic. And this, unfortunately, is the way it has to be because God's going to bring them into judgment. This is the deal. When you see the enemies come against Israel, they're always judged. You want to come and, want to come and fight against Israel? It's not going to end well for you. Even if, even if God wants to bring judgment on his own people, there's not going to be anything left to you. And so very terrifying, the, the nature and the relationship of the U.N., with Israel is absolutely significant. Uh, and so again, spirit of Antichrist leading the charge on this. Um, look at this headline. The U.S. to U.N. stop using COVID-19 as an excuse to push abortion. Now, this is one thing I've already mentioned. This is what the U.N. does. It's known, and through the arm of the World Health Organization, does it very, very efficiently. 
I want to take you and show you some commentary. We're going to build on this from None Dare Call It Treason. Few Americans know that the UN Secretariat has become a haven for the communist and security risks who have been officials of the U.S. government in the 1940s. In 1952, Senate Internal Security Subcommittee spent two months studying the activities of U.S. citizens employed by the UN, its report stated. American communist who had been officials of the United States government, penetrated the Secretariat of the United Nations after the United States government had been apprised of security information regarding their conspiratorial activities. In all, 21 Americans employed in key UN administrative posts took the Fifth Amendment during the CIS hearings when asked about their participation in the communist conspiracy. And so there are several things that we could talk about. Number one, the United Nations was mortified to know there were communist conspirators involved with the UN. And, and there's something to understand here is that while the inception of the UN and its, you know, principal architect was absolutely a communist with obviously an agenda, uh, not everyone in the UN is or is under that understanding. Um, it is very, very sophisticated art of war. And so there are many people that are terrified that this is happening, but take it a step further. These were not diplomats from Russia. These were diplomats from people, America. These were Americans. And so here you see, not only was the UN infiltrated by communists, but they were... America was infiltrated by communists. Uh, should we be concerned? Absolutely. No question about it. Let me read to you the following. This comes to us from the Communist Party USA. This is their uh, journal uh, known as Political Affairs, their April edition, 1945. We read, Great popular support and enthusiasm for the United Nation po Nations policies should be built up well-organized and fully articulate. So here you have this journal that's speaking to your fellow comrades and saying, hey, if anything comes out of the UN, we need to be supporting it. We need to be wholeheartedly supporting the agenda. Okay, so they're beginning their instructions. But it is also necessary to do more than that. The opposition must be rendered so impotent that it will be unable to gather any significant support in the Senate against the UN Charter and the treaties which will follow. Isn't that interesting? Anything that comes against the UN Charter, which we know the principal architect is a communist, or against any of the treaties, or even for that matter, its purpose and goal, its agenda to create this one world government, anyone comes against that, you've got to be dealt with. You've got to go down. There can be no resistance. This has got to happen. And so here you have this journal advising the fellow comrades, this is our course of action. Now, unfortunately, we've been a recipient of this just recently. And you'll understand this when I read this headline. YouTube CEO suggested content that goes against who World Health Organization guidance on the coronavirus will get banned. You can't speak against the agenda. If you do, you're going to be removed. And 
this happened to us with one of our videos not that long ago we had talked about the world health organization and the coronavirus and it did not go very well and so uh this is real i mean the fact that you see such a protective censoring of any other ideas except the agenda for it to be removed like that you're dealing with a force that is very very dangerous now i want to explain this further and I want to do so, I kind of want to go back to my roots a little bit, go back to Death of America, and I want to share with you a very, very powerful video of an ex-KGB agent talking about what is known as ideological subversion. And ideological subversion is a tactic of war. It's psych warfare. And it's considered to be the most powerful, more than tanks, more than bombs, more than guns. Psych warfare it has the ability to bring down a nation, even that of America, uh, with all her wealth and strength and influence. This is something that the communists recognized long ago. We're not going to go into America with guns blazing, but through ideological subversion. Well, I, I want to share uh, a little bit of this interview with you in light of what we see happening today. Very alarming. Check this out. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets used the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. All right, I just want to stop it here. We're, we're going to get into these four stages of ideological subversion, but I, I, I want to talk a little bit about what he said in regard to ideological subversion. Yes, it's a great brainwashing. It changes the perception of the Americans so that they can't perceive true reality. It creates an alternate reality and no one can come to sensible conclusions. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, I look at everything that is going on right now with this coronavirus.
and the response and how it's being handled. And you you have to recognize the fact that people are running around hoarding toilet paper, putting masks on, uh, despite scientists coming out, and we'll get into this later, but despite the science where you have reputable, responsible, qualified, credible scientists coming out and literally saying, no, herd immunity is the correct way. You know, getting locked down is not the right thing to do. No, putting a mask on is not the right thing to do. It's actually going to lower your cortisol, uh, spike your cortisol levels, which lowers your immune system. I mean, nothing about this makes any sense. And so it is really an incredible thing that uh, what we're looking at, there is a delusion that is covering the land as we had talked about and this from a from a from a kgb defector uh this is absolutely ideological subversion and and it's very real i mean we see evidence of it now continuing on to uh getting into the four stages of this ideological subversion we read the or we listen to the following uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who have been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously, they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yes. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. 
In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. So there you have the first stage of ideological subversion. It's demoralization. And when we talk about demoralization on a practical level, let me be clear. What are we talking about? We're talking about ripping prayer out of schools. Okay, We're talking about removing the Ten Commandments. We're talking about attacking family values. We're talking about legalizing abortion. We're talking about legalizing gay marriage. This is all in the realm of demoralization. And we are as demoralized as you could possibly imagine. It's... In fact, it's reminiscent of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's reminiscent of the days of Noah, which we have talked about so many times just in the last couple years. This is the level that we are at. Now, he says something else about this process, and it's one thing that I, I want to make sure that you pick up on. And so we're going to continue. This is what he says. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. And so one thing that I wanted you to really pick up on was what he said is how this is happening or how this happens in America. It's, it's by Americans doing it to Americans. That's, that's what's so disturbing about all of this. And Despite everything, like he says, doesn't matter how much truth you shower them with. When when we have doctors, as we as we saw in our last video or in our last message, uh, part four, uh, where you have doctors coming out and says the truth doesn't matter anymore. I mean, he feels like he's living in the twilight zone. Yeah, that's when you know you're dealing with severe delusion. That's when you know you're dealing with severe ideological subversion. And guess what? This is happening by Americans. This radical left, known as Americans, is doing this to their fellow Americans. This is what's happening. And that's why Khrushchev, the former premier of Russia, Mother Russia, said the United States will eventually fly the communist flag. The American people will hoist it themselves. Now, how did Khrushchev know this? Was he some kind of prophet that he looked into his crystal ball or what have you? Absolutely not. Khrushchev knew this because he knew what Russia was going to do. He knew what the communist agenda was going to do to America and in infiltrating America through 
ideological subversion. That's why he knew Americans would do this to Americans when ideological subversion actually uh, comes to fruition. Now, continuing on to stage two. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. And so you can look... Well, I mean, just in the recent couple of rec last couple of years, uh, there's been an attempt to dramatically change where we were at. But uh, when you looked at our economy, we had been, and this goes back to uh, whether Clinton and Obama and looking at what we were doing economically of literally moving our jobs and businesses to other countries and employing workers over there. This would be all about destabilization uh, of an economy, weakening it um, and strengthening other people's economy in the process. Defense, uh, this has been going on quite a bit uh, prior to this last administration. Weakening defense systems. We could talk about foreign relations. I, I don't want to get into that. I just want you to kind of focus in on this ideological subversion because as we get into the next one, I, I think it's, it's going to be a little jarring. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. How frightening is that? And he says, crisis. Now, now you got to understand, this is the pivotal moment in time for ideological subversion. This is when the takeover happens. It comes through crisis, which doesn't take too long. Now, the crisis itself can last uh, a significant period of time, but to initiate it, he says it could take weeks. Well, look at this pandemic that we are dealing with. Our nation has been brought to its knees through this crisis. There's absolutely no question about it. And you have to understand how close we are uh, to fulfilling what this ex-KGB agent would call ideological subversion, where there's a complete takeover, where your government, your constitution, your rights, your liberties are going to be completely usurped. This, this is how close we are because this is the moment, that it's, at, it's at that crisis moment that it absolutely happens. And then we move to stage four which is normalization. After crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis. 
to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins. Never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. United States is in a state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. Well, there you have the final stage, normalization. Now, one thing that he said, he goes, you will enter into the stage of normalization, which let's, let's be clear on this. The crisis period during that time, there's a radical takeover. The normalization is when this eventually, it's things settle down. And as it says, it, things are now normalized and you're completely transformed an entire society to live in a completely another manner and to accept that. It's completely taken over. And the one thing that he said is he goes, if you allow the schmucks to bring the country to crisis, you will move into stage four and it will be normalized if you allow this to happen. And what I am telling you right now, we are allowing this to happen. That, as he says, the schmucks are bringing the country to crisis. First and foremost, through this pandemic. That's absolutely insane. And then, of course, you compound it with all the rioting and, and the violence that is taking place. Then you enter into the stage four of normalization. I want to share with you some headlines because it's really mind-blowing when, when you see this. The first headline is this, reopening in the COVID era, how to adapt to what? A new normal. Unreal. Canada unlikely to return to normal until there is a COVID-19 vaccine. So you're not going to enter into the normalization until everyone is in fact vaccinated. Courts won't return to normal until vaccine is readily available. Another headline, Vanderlyn, life won't return to normal until vaccine. We could go on and on looking at these terms of the new normal or normalization uh, or return to normal. It's everywhere in the headlines. And, and so what I'm telling you, on a physical, tangible level, we're in the moment of crisis right now. It, this is as real as it gets. And we are going to be brought to normalization if, and I'll, I'll tell you, if we don't repent. 
if we don't start fasting and praying, we don't bind together, we don't humble ourselves as a nation before God, this is what's going to happen. And as far as I can tell, when you look at much of the current government, they're still relishing in demoralization. They're still relishing and pushing destabilization. They're still driving this nation into crisis. It's, it's heartbreaking to see what this country is going to, uh, through right now. I mean, what we are seeing daily, I'm seeing the psych warfare. I mean, this is ideological subversion implementing psych warfare. Look at the mass thing, for example. Do you, do you ever notice... Uh, let me let me read this to you just quick. Minneapolis face mask requirement goes into effect today. Violations could be punished by fines of up to $1,000. See, this is happening all over the country. You want to talk about going to the extremes. And again, this is not about wearing masks inside or even in a nursing home or in vulnerable situations or in department stores and grocery stores. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about outside this is way past out of control, way past out of control. In fact, look at this. And of course, this is from the Minneapolis mayor. Minneapolis mayor, this headline, you can't make it up, asks rioters to wear face masks and practice social distancing as city burns. You can't make that up. So here's the city burning, and these rioters are rioting. Don't worry about the rioting. Just make sure you're six feet apart and make sure you have your mask on. I mean, the, the psych warfare that is involved, and to, this shows you just how, I mean, most people look at this and say he's absolutely insane. He is totally out of his mind. While other people would recognize this guy is so committed to an agenda, he is so dedicated that not even during a time of rioting do they let up. Now, I mean, that is insane. But let me share with you what the World Health Organization, and I chose this, so I could have chose many others, but I, I chose this one intentionally. But this headline reads, Who guidance? Healthy people should wear masks only when taking care of coronavirus patients. See, because again, you know, doctors have come out. And flat out said, uh, this is not good for you to wear masks. It is actually going to lower your immune system. And so don't wear them. You know, these are responsible doctors. These are doctors concerned about your health and that actually understand what is happening here when, in fact, you wear masks. And then now even the World Health Organization's coming out and said, this is a bad idea. And yet, guess what happens? They're still pushing it. They're pushing the mandate because this is psych warfare. They want you to see masks. They want to make sure that you see everybody's wearing a mask, that there's a horrible problem. And the only way you're ever going to be able to put that mask away is if you go get that wonderful and comforting and life-saving vaccine. And then everything is going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. Now, within this, I'll just read you just small out of this headline here. There's just a little bit more here I want to bring up. If you do not have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, or runny nose, you do not need to wear a mask. 
Dr. April Baller, a public health specialist for the World Health Organization. Now, I'm not sure that went over well with the World Health Organization that she released this, but be that as it may, here you have it. I mean, if you don't have those issues, you don't have to wear a mask. Now, let me take this even further to show you how, fur, how far psych warfare is actually going. I want to play you a clip from this ideological subversion interview. Same way as in the small town of Hue in South Vietnam, several thousands of Vietnamese were executed in one night when the city was captured by Viet Cong for only two days. And American CIA could never figure out how could possibly communists know each individual where he lives, where, where to get him, and would be arrested in one night, basically in, in some four hours before dawn, put on a van, taken out of the city limits, and shot. The answer is very simple. Long before communists occupied the city, there was extensive network of informers, local Vietnamese citizens, who knew absolutely everything about people who are instrumental in public opinion, including barbers and taxi drivers. Everyone who was sympathetic to the United States was executed. Now, in light of what you just heard, and so it, hopefully you understood that, that uh, the CIA was baffled at how the communists knew exactly who to go pick up in a van, who would have been a dissenter, because long before they had informants, they used the citizens to inform and to gather the information, and they knew exactly where to go and when to go. Now, with that said, in regard to this coronavirus, you see what's happening. Let me read this headline. As coronavirus grips states, some elected officials encourage Americans to report on each other. And they got these snitch sites set up all over the place, and we had talked about this long ago, where you can just call in if someone's not properly social distancing. This is conditioning, getting the citizens in the habit of doing the legwork for them. And then the rest is history. And so you, you got to understand what we are experiencing today. It's as serious as it gets. We're in stage three of ideological subversion. Uh, I would argue we're in stage two and the four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I mean, this is end of the world type of stuff. I want to go back and I want to read another horse, fiery red. This horse is fiery red. This, this, this is the second horseman of the apocalypse. And he is fiery red. And I've always just found it peculiar, interesting, that in Soviet propaganda, one of their propaganda pieces that they utilized was a red horse. Now you think about this, and you think about the Soviet Union. Here's an actual picture of it where you have the Soviet Union's idea, communism, not even just the Soviet Union, it spreads, it's spread all over the world, China, North Korea, etc. Their propaganda piece that this very entity that wants to have a new world order, a one world government, is riding on a red horse. It takes peace from the earth and it has a great sword. Now, that is an incredible thing to me. And, and granted, let's just for sake of argument, let's say it's a coincidence. That's a really interesting uh, coincidence that this guy would be sitting, this rider, on a red horse and knowing what communism is about. It is about taking peace from the earth. It has wielded a nasty and mighty sword. There's no question about it. 
But uh, with that said, we are going to end here for today. And uh, we'll, God willing, we will continue on next week. Um, be blessed as you go. Get back. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. And please pray for us in, in the process. This ministry needs your prayers. And so we just thank you for all your support. Bless you and have a great week. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to.